Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Welcome to the Runner's World Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're speaking with runner and poet Helen Mort about the lure of wild places. So, how are you, mate? I'm a bit sore, frankly, um, because yesterday I ran 20 miles around the uh, the <gasps> wilds of South London, yeah. This was the much anticipated 20 miles. <laughs> yeah, a lot of hype beforehand and um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of hype, not a lot of water. I, I think that was, I could have done with less hype and more water uh, as a rule. Right. Um, but Did you treat it like a long training run or did you treat it like a race? Yeah, somewhere in between, I think, in that... Um, it was me and my best mate George, and uh, we were like, "Look, let, let's try and do the equivalent of like three fifteen marathon pace, basically. Um, so, so quicker than you would you would ordinarily do a long run for me, uh, but, yeah. but a little bit off what your marathon race pace would be. Uh, it's probably it's, that's probably a really dumb way of doing a twenty miler. Do you know what I mean? It's, you're probably not getting the training benefit of going really hard, and you probably got, you're don't, going harder than an easy run. So, I'm in that kind of dead zone. There are no more rules, Rick. We are in a we are in a period of zero rule running, so I think you do whatever you want. Yeah. Also, because um, you know, I'm normally manufacturing my own gels, Ben, as I've talked about before. Um, I do. But I, I just I didn't have time, so I went with a, another brand, a recognised brand, and this isn't just me saying this, but yeah, I got some I got some pretty uncomfortable cramps in the last five k. So um, the splits came down a little bit during that that period. Um, were they were they are they a brand that you have used before? I've used one yeah one gel once before. I think it's just to be honest, not not using gels for years and then going to a gel. I think any gel would have played up in my stomach because it's just I'm just not that's, used to that. Stuff. Yeah, that's why I was I was to sort of to <laughs> to be the great defender of gels, <laughs> <laughs> which I am famous for. Yeah. I was going to say whatever you've done, you probably would have got a little bit of a. It's quite that's pretty rookie. It's pretty rookie just having a a gel off the bat in a race scenario yes agreed agreed oh well i'll tell you what i shouldn't complain ben because um distance running is officially a very easy sport so oh good so that's that's according to there was a table that was going round. so the, the table was titled 60 most difficult sports and it was collated by a company called unbiased america sports which is an interesting <laughs> good. title um, what, are they unbiased towards American sports or unbiased to all sports. Well, I think, but they're based in America. There's definitely some bias going on because, um, so in, in this in this table, there, there was there were sixty, obviously, and um, 
boxing was ranked number one, which I haven't necessarily got a problem with because I think no. boxing, boxing <laughs> training. In the face. Yeah, but first of all, I don't I don't want to annoy any boxers, so I haven't got a problem with it. And also, like the training for boxing is incredibly difficult, and, and also the dangers involved are are immense, aren't they? So that that can be top. That's fair enough. But then um, okay. running didn't appear until number thirty eight, and when it did, it was in the form of um, uh, track and field sprinting. Right and then, mm. so uh, then distance appeared number forty one, and middle distance appeared at number forty three, a couple of places above table tennis. Now, <laughs> to put this into perspective, volleyball was ranked twenty one, and skateboarding okay. was thirty seven. So you think? Right. I think whoever's behind that list, they 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 haven't run they haven't run a mile, have they? They haven't run their best mile when they're kind of to to, to put you know middle distance running significantly below volleyball some, somewhere around the same difficulty and sort of grit required as a sort of you know competitive set of table tennis feels kind yeah. of wrong i don't know how are they judging what i mean this is this is difficult right so they're obviously running they don't think is difficult because everyone can run but that whole that notion that everyone can run yes right? so they're not thinking it's difficult whereas it's a it's a word that's it's strange. Some of the sports are up the top, so rugby's quite high as well. So they seem so difficulty seems on this table to imply a certain amount of like courage and guts, basically. But obviously, but you're right. you're right. They are they're factoring in kind of um, I guess skill is what they're what, what it's looking at. But I do think running's it's underestimated in these kind of general surveys. I think maybe because it's not it lacks some of the sort of box office appeal of some of these you know uh, yeah bigger sports yeah. That's interesting. I think it's because I think because we are looking from the inside mm. out. As runners, we kind of have a greater sense of um like the the work that goes into being better at running rather mm. than perhaps recreational the view of a recreational. But then they're talking about sprint and track and field and that's very specialist. Yeah, I, would would you say that I don't want to annoy any sprinters here because running's a broad church. And it, well, then, and it, well, first of all, mate, they're much bigger than you. Yeah, sprinters yeah. are much, much bigger than you. But it, would, you, would you say, like, just passionately, that sprinting is more difficult than distance running? I don't think you get a lot of people who'd say that. I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's equally impressive. Don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying it, it isn't. But from a difficulty perspective, is it more difficult than, than absolutely gritting it out over a marathon? I don't think it is. I don't know. I think that it's more difficult in the fact that um, your performance has to be so precise over a very short period of time. Whereas, you know, the leaderboard, unless you're against, you're racing against like Mr. Journey, the leaderboard can change in a in a distance race quite dramatically, depending on how um, depending on how that day's going. If you see what I mean. Whereas, you boil that sprinting that that whole experience, but boiled down to its finest essence. So I think that like where there's room for there's room for errors that don't put you in still don't put you in a bad position with distance running. I think any error within sprinting is is you, you're done. That's it. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think, but I think at the, at the top level, I think it, it is small errors in in marathon running stuff like hydration and uh like strategy stuff that you probably don't have to consider like i feel like with the 100 meter sprinting like as exciting as it is it's basically you obviously go out and run as hard as you can and 
the quickest person wins. Do you know what I mean with with marathon running has that sort of nuance of like went off too hard at the start, didn't get my nutrition right, blah blah blah. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. You, you're never going to. It's create, a tricky one. Yeah. I, I, I would I would probably I would say the other side. I'm going to be on the side of the sprinters on this. I didn't one. put I you down such that. a such a sprinting uh, evangelist, Ben. Oh <laughs> come on! It's it's the bedrock of our of our sport, mate. Ah. <sighs> I, I don't know. I, I I was just I was surprised. I, and I was disappointed that um that distance and middle and middle distance running ranked down closer to table tennis than it did to to boxing on this. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just that's just out of order. I think that's wrong. Um, hey, a quick bit of pseudoscience before we um before we talk uh with Helen. Um, so great. Now we know a lot of people have taken up um running as you know, oh during the lockdown period. Um. Yes, but to form an exercise habit, it actually takes longer than um, than has been previously believed. So, a study of ninety six participants, thirty men, sixty six women, investigated how uh, long it, it took for certain habits to form, and they were asked to choose either a healthy eating, drinking, or exercise behaviour from a list. So, this included stuff like running for fifteen minutes before dinner, or drinking a bottle of water with lunch, or eating a piece of fruit. And on average. Habits took 66 days to form, but with um, exercise, uh, such as running, it took 91 days. So basically three months for, for something to become kind of automatic and habitual. So you've got to stick with it. If you if you just started running and you're listening to this, give it three months and, and then it should feel like something that you, you can't do without. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Helen Moore is a writer, trail runner and climber who lives in Sheffield. She teaches creative writing at Manchester Metropolitan University and her published works include poetry, fiction and non-fiction. Helen is the author of Lake District Trail Running and the editor of Waymaking. Uh, she was also the judge for the 2019 Banff Mountain Book Prize. Uh, we're very excited to speak to her about freedom, fell running and the appeal of wild places. So Helen, welcome to the Runner's World podcast. Why do you think that poets like yourself uh, may be drawn to wild places? I can only really speak from my own experience, though obviously there is a tradition of poets like William Wordsworth writing in the fells, writing while they're out walking. But for me, it's something about high places, high wild places in particular, like mountains or the gritstone edges that I have near me in the Peak District, where I get a sense of perspective, I think, from being up, from being up high and being free, being out running and being able to look down on my surroundings. It just helps me to see everything a bit more clearly. And that's really useful for something like creative writing, I think, that sense of perspective. Um, what role does running play in your creative uh, process? Um, so I actually do, I do like to write or at least get my ideas for poems or for bits of fiction um, or f- even for non-fiction while, while I'm out running. I've always loved that. I, I do my best writing when I'm running. So I'll sort of take an idea or a line or a phrase or something like that out with me and I'll go on a run. Obviously, don't have any paper. Um, I don't don't write it down on my phone or anything like that. I just sort of turn the ideas over and over in my head. And I hope that by the time I get back, the sort of the good ideas will will be the ones that have stuck. Um, I'm sure everyone's got a version of that. You know, you have some of your best ideas, don't you, when you're out on a run? Although sometimes you do get back and realise that 
it was a bit of an endorphin um, <laughs> yeah biked <laughs> idea yeah. wasn't actually that good after all um, it depends if that idea is yeah. i could definitely do an ultra I think that's exactly that, that, that kind of yeah. idea. That's the kind that I mean. <laughs> yeah. You're you're particularly interested in running in in the mountains, I guess, or, or like you say, these high wild places. I heard this this quote: someone said that uh, road running is like prose, but uh, running in the mountains is poetry. Is that something that you would you would sympathise with a, with a quote like that? Yeah, that's a great. I absolutely love that quote. I think it's very true. I think. You have to be on your guard all the time, don't you? When you're when you're running in the the mountains. You, mm. I, what, one thing I love about poetry is that I think it can often surprise the reader, or it slightly wrong foots you, or it makes you question what you thought you knew. And often it can say two sort of different things at once. And yeah, road running is more like the narrative of a piece of prose where you don't have to. You sort of keep going and 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 sort of get into a bit of a a zone but um running in mountains is is very different you're so aware of every sensation and where your feet are what you can see I think it's a very minute by minute kind of experience which is definitely how I think of poetry do you have any favorite mountains to to, to run in are they, are they your, the local like the, the peak district or is there somewhere further afield that you sort of lo- love to go to kind of so I used to um, I used to live in the Lake District. I was very lucky a few years ago, and I actually wrote a trail running guide to, to running in the Lake District. And absolutely anywhere around uh, that part of, of Cumbria is is my ideal place to run. I used to love running over Luffrig Fell and out up to Fairfield. And I was a member of um, Ambleside AC for a little while. And oh right, they yeah. Do, um, they do a lot of their, their training run on a sort of uh, weekday evening would just be to run over Fairfield and some of the other mountains behind there so it was always kind of or nab scar or something like that. it was always quite a brutal way to spend your weeknight um, but they're my favorites absolutely I, I love the Lake District I think it's I discover more about it every time I run there and it's um aside from the gingerbread which is fantastic um, <laughs> um that's is that where Wordsworth's buried Yes, that's right, in the churchyard at Grasmere. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a lovely, um, very tranquil sort of area. And yet but you can, it is quite strange because you're paying your homage to the, the dead literary figures and you can smell the, the waft of gingerbread <laughs> from the gingerbread shop all the time. It's a bit of a strange yeah. kind of uh, paradox, yeah. Um, you, you sort of talked about the awareness of when you're running in wild places. And I, I mean, I know that you're talking in context of sort of your surroundings and foot, foot placement and things like that. But um, yeah, equally, is there's a sort of a sense that being exposed in, a, in, a, in an area of mountain is, 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 is the accessibility between men and women. And, and, and are there additional considerations basically for women who want to run in remote places? Um, I guess so. I mean, it's not just I don't think it's just about um, uh, gender, of course, as well. It's 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 whoever you are, there are going to be different considerations. I was just reading um, an article a couple of days ago, which was about um, it was about being black and going into wild places, but particularly going into woodlands and sort of saying that well actually those places that we think of as free and wild for for, for black people might have very frightening historical associations yeah. um, and and to do with lynch, lynching and hor- horrific fear associated with some wild places and I think it can be the same in terms of gender perhaps um the idea of being 
quite vulnerable vulnerable perhaps out on your own although certainly for me I feel a lot safer running in the mountains than I do walking down a street in the evening in an in inner city so I, I guess um I suppose there are some quite practical considerations though um I've been on big expeditions to places like Greenland not running but mountaineering and you, you know this is the the uncomfortable stuff that nobody talks about things like what what if you um had your period in the in the middle of a glacier and how who do you ask if you're on an expedition full of men it's those those everyday practical things that 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 might come up um are kind of things I think we feel a bit awkward talking about almost but they're a big consideration if you're an ultra runner or something like that um I know there was everyone um was reading about I think it was last year when um Jasmine Parry um won uh, an ultra and she was pumping breast milk on the way around to, to to so that she could continue to breastfeed her baby and wouldn't the supply wouldn't run out while she was running so I guess again again those things don't apply to all women and um the many there might be female runners who don't have children so I'm not implying that everybody's thinking about those things all the time um we all have lots of different aspects to our our identity and our lives but yeah I think there are some sometimes some very practical um considerations when you're out running in the hills and it's kind of important to talk about them a bit I think yeah well this is this is exactly it because as you mentioned sort of um people who who take part in a lot of urban running it comes with its all you know it comes with its its dangers and I kind of feel like that people probably don't associate the sort of the two things in the, the you know um, as you say like the, the idea of wildness and wilderness and, and and being free in the mountains is actually quite you know can be quite a daunting prospect for people yeah I mean I mean but but put it this way I've 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 only felt um uncomfortable when I've been out running a handful of times and it has never been in the mountains it's always been in my hometown when somebody has has wound down the window and shouted something abusive at me and it's never been out in the in the wilderness but but I'm not trying to make light of the the dauntingness of going out and obviously it it can be I've always found it quite affirming when when I when I'm able to go out and run in mountains on my own it makes me feel quite capable and quite strong Um, I've always particularly enjoyed that Although I'm not always brilliant with a compass. <laughs> oh, me neither. Yeah. Oh, I, I, that's my greatest fear. <laughs> my greatest fear is actually having to be rely, relying on a compass and me knowing what I'm doing. That would be the end of me, I think. My friend is still mocking me from the time we did the um, the lamb in Scotland and uh, I tried to take over the navigation <laughs> towards the end of the race and I navigated towards the wrong locken and cost us an hour's detour in the baking heat at the end of a two-day mountain marathon. Oh. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have a good track record either. <laughs> this is the Runner's World Podcast. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You, you mentioned um, Jasmine Paris there uh, and and some of the incredible things that she's achieved in, in wild places while, while being a mother. But do you, do you think that society still has views women and particularly mothers who, who take risks and maybe with climbing or trail running, they, they look at that slightly differently to, to, to how, like if, if a bloke went out and did it. Yeah, I think so. And it's interesting. I don't think it's just, um, I think it's, it's getting better, but there still is a thing that, um, you know, when somebody tragically dies in the mountains, if they're a father, we usually find out about that towards the end of the article. Whereas if they're a mother, it's usually in the headline or that that's something that's part of your identity that's made. Um, it's quite a big thing is made of it. Um, I've written a lot in the past and I'm doing at the moment in a, a non-fiction book about um, the mountaineer Alison Hargreaves, who was obviously um, that was picked up in the press when she died, that she was a mum. And um, lots of people had an opinion about that. But equally, there's the implication, I think, for a lot of very successful athletes, female athletes who don't have children, that that they're so single minded or that they're doing that because they're trying to replace something else. So you kind of can't win. There's always a, a question about why you don't have children if you don't. So um, I think it's um, I think it's uh, it's difficult either way. Certainly for me, the main difference that I've noticed um, since I had my son in 2018 is just that um, I do a lot of um, trail bits of trail running now with an off-road buggy, yeah. and I guess I've noticed mainly that I've got a lot slower because I'm pushing this, <laughs> this great big lump. <laughs> He's getting heavier. Oh, it's good resistance training. That that will see you. That will see you. That's see great, you in good yeah. stead. That will. Yeah. <laughs> Um, during, um, I mean, it's a very strange time that we're sort of, I think, maybe coming to the near end of, or sort of the beginning of the end of, with, with lockdown. Um, how has your relationship with wild places changed during it? Well, I mean, I'm really lucky because I live in Sheffield, sort of um, on the side of Sheffield that's closest to the Peak District. So um, even when uh, the lockdown was at its height. I was able to, I could, I could just about within the hour I was allowed for my exercise, I could run um, up the hill um, out, out and I could see Burbage Edge. I could just run far enough to see it and then turn back <laughs> and go downhill back to Sheffield. So um, I've, I've still felt that contact despite missing being able to go out and to really immerse yourself in, in those 
places. Um, I think it's really interesting that a lot of people have taken up running or have perhaps um, renewed their kind of older relationship with running during this period of time when we've all been um, much more local. And I think it makes you appreciate the beauty on your doorstep as well. I'm not trying to be uh, overly romantic about that. I know that a lot of people live in places where they might not find much much sort of beauty on their doorstep so I'm not implying that everyone's as lucky as I am to have the, the peak close by but it definitely makes you look differently when you're only going out for sort of an hour a day or something like that I, I definitely found that I was observing things a bit differently it's a, it's a, it was really interesting. missing races as well yeah, <laughs> I think right. it changes yeah, your relationship sure. with running when you can't race so yeah, I think I really. In- Sorry, I didn't mean. To no, no, <laughs> it's just I think that the really sort of possibly a subconscious um, act is that most of the people who've rediscovered or found running during lockdown have have, have migrated or, or certainly moved themselves to green spaces where are available, and mm. I think that's that's yeah. that's a sort of a telling sort of side of how um, the combination of of, of physical well-being and mental well-being perhaps automatically triggers a sort of a need for green space so there's a quite a lot of study around sort of the mental uh, power that the, mm. the, the sort of certainly the um the, the mental benefit that, that green space has um so yeah i think it's 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 it was quite a, quite an interesting takeaway that that when people were only allowed to do a certain amount of exercise or a certain type of exercise for a certain amount of time that parks in london suddenly became very busy with runners because it was sort of yeah. natural habitat for that activity absolutely it's just i mean obviously i always feel better when i've been for a run but the difference between going for a run around the pavements and going out somewhere remarkable or, ju- or just somewhere as you say somewhere a bit more green it's it's a totally different effects really it 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 just I always have to remind I always tell the people around me to remind me when I'm sad that going running somewhere green will make (laughs) me feel better guaranteed (laughs) absolutely guaranteed is is running for you um an expression of of freedom would you say um that's a great question it is now in the past it hasn't been um so when I was younger I started running when I was about 12 and I ran on the track quite a lot and I did lots of competitions and like many people I think um the times in my life when I have been running competitively whether I've had a a goal like a, a like a, I had a sub three hour marathon goal for ages that I was a bit obsessed with or whether it was a goal on the track or whatever I'd actually put quite a lot of pressure on myself mm. and it wasn't a freedom as much I like to think it was a freedom but really it was a bit of a um a constraint or I, I know those kinds of targets work really well for some people but for me I could beat myself up quite a lot um so actually I've found running much more of a freedom when I've been running more slowly and um times when I've not been very competitive or I've just just returned to running after injury or particularly uh, now sort of returning to running um postpartum and running a lot of the time with a baby I've discovered a a freedom and a kind of a joy in it that perhaps I think I hadn't fully realized before because I I do just go out when I can when I want to and for the the sheer joy of it not because I want to 
um, run a certain time or because I'm worried about whether other people will think I've um, my running's gone downhill or something like that. I just think very differently about it these days. And I realised that actually this kind of bringing us full circle. That was what I loved about things like fell running and trail running in the first place. And um, when I started doing those things with a background as a track runner, I, I remember starting to do fell running and thinking, oh, this is much more enjoyable because it's, it, it's, it's not all about can you break such and such a time for 1500 meters it was much more about responding to your body's demands and the demands of the terrain and um i think that's very much what i run for these days um is that sort of perhaps a the greatest lesson that running's taught you then perhaps is a sort of a, a reality check on what's important or is there another greater lesson that running's ever taught you, has taught you so far I think that's definitely been a big lesson. Um, it, it's it's taught me a lot of things. It's taught me that I've got a lot more self-discipline than I thought and can, can cope with pain quite well. Um, but also, I think because I've, I've my, my running has been very, very up and down um, and I went from sort of winning races when I was a teenager to then sort of later on coming last and literally coming last I remember my dad um who's 35 years older than me overtaking me in a fell run when I come back to running <laughs> he still never let me lift that down but um it's 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 taught me that it's it's harder to to finish last than it is to finish first even though you're running more slowly um and that 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 it's it's just as as important to you're trying as hard to keep going when you're when you're not doing well and that those are the times when you really need to put the effort in and those are those are very valuable times in running as well I think um and so I don't fear those things anymore I suppose I I wouldn't have the same kind of worry about that that I once did yeah I think that's a really good lesson um well finally Helen can you could you read us one of your poems or pieces of writing that are kind of inspired by running or the great outdoors yeah, sure. I'm actually going to do one from memory. Um, so you have to hope I don't okay, forget it. Right. It's one of the, the poems that I wrote about running and I wrote it while I was out running in my head. So that's the reason that I'm able to remember um, poems like this is because they came and it's about running um, um, early in the morning um, when there's no one else around. And it's just called Fox Miles and it goes like this. Supple as a dream, I can't call back. A vixen in the hedgerow's matted black is startled out to skirt the dawn and vanish with the dark, her flame-bright tail extinguished by the railings of the park. But first she bolts across an empty road and keeps her pace with mine. I slow to look at her across the gap. We run in time. She turns her face. Her eyes flare in the artificial light and then... She finds a trapdoor in the night, a corridor towards the sun that she slinks down alone and covers miles she might mistake for home. And what she sees, she cannot tell. But what she knows of distances and doesn't say, I know as well. Um, that's it. It's from that, a collection. That, of was, great. Street, that was great. That was really great. Yeah. Um, that's fab. Helen, thanks so much for, for coming on the Runners World podcast, talking about your running and, and poetry and wild places. It was, it was lovely to talk to you. 
Oh, not at all. Thanks for having me. I, I really, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not just saying this. I, I used to read the magazine when I first started running oh, cool. when I was a teenager and kind of ever since. And I, I kind of really idolized running magazines when I was, um, when I was a kid. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's an, it's, I never imagined that I'd be on the podcast. Well, we're, we're, oh, yeah, we're, we're, really we're honored to, honor to have you on. Thanks very, very much for doing the poem at the end. That was great. Thank you. That was really nice. Thanks so much. This really is the it. Runner's World podcast. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A big thanks to our guest, Helen Mort, and to you, of course, for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 